Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the God that you are, the example that you set, and, uh, and just the meaning that that has for our lives. I pray, Lord, today uh, that we would be challenged by your word, that it wouldn't be something that we just receive, but it would be something that guides and leads how we love others. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the beautiful uh, reasons or things, uh, one of the reasons I love living in Chicago is that uh, we live in a city that is filled with incredible food. You know what I'm saying, right? Like, uh, there is no doubt that if you were to like search best uh, cities for food, Chicago makes the list of most of those surveys. I mean, there are plenty of places and options that you can choose from. You don't have to go all the way downtown. You can stay out here or you can go further west. Wherever you go, there are some incredible places to eat. And when we first moved back here, Gretchen and I, uh, with our family, one of the first places that we wanted to go back to, because I remembered it as a college student, it's one of my favorite spots in the world, is this place right here. Johnny's Beef. Anybody with me on this? Anybody been to Johnny's before? You've waited in a long line. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, and uh, I had a friend who came into town when we first moved back, and, uh, and we decided, or he said, you know, give me a meal that is just Chicago. This place, Johnny's, right? The combo sandwich, feeling like you're going to have a heart attack afterwards. It's fantastic. And I'm not saying that like uh, this was part of the decision as to why we live where we live, but, but we actually live walking distance from Johnny's. <laughs> Just constant temptation. So, uh, so my friend said, uh, why don't we walk down there? Let's go down to Johnny's uh, and grab something, wait in line, and we'll bring it back uh, for the rest of the family. My kids were a little bit younger during the time. It's like four years ago. So we had to take the double stroller. And uh, we went down and waited in this long line. And if you've been there before, you know that they move the line really quick. Just don't hold the door open because you get yelled at. Somebody knows what I'm talking about, right? And, uh, And you get through and everything was great. We had all of our food. Everything was set and ready. And uh, we are walking in the back parking lot area, and I place all of the food on top of our double stroller. Raylan at the time, who was a little bit younger, hated having like the sun in her face. So there was this attachment on our double stroller that she could like adjust and move if the sun was like in her eyes. Well, she, as she got into the stroller, takes that piece and just slams it forward right where the food was sitting. And all of a sudden, all my Johnny's order is wound up in the parking lot all over the place. Immediately, immediately, somebody from Johnny's walks out the back door, comes up to me and says, tell me, what did you order? 
And I was like, all right, well, I ordered this, 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 and I think I got a lemon ice too or something like that. <laughs> I didn't lie, all right. He was like, all right, perfect. He said, I, I want you to go to the exit side and, uh, and I'll get you all of your food and, uh, and we'll refill your order. And, and as he did that, I was like sitting there thinking like, wow, this is incredible. He came uh, back out and I told him that one, uh, this is one of my favorite places in the city. I moved back here recently and I have a friend from St. Louis and I just wanted him to experience the Chicago place. Not only is your food incredible, but man, you will forever have me as a customer. I will come back here often. And, uh, and I remember that moment because I felt so incredibly loved. But there are many other places to eat in the city of Chicago. There's another place that is also walking distance from my house. And it just so happened that after church one Sunday, uh, which takes a long time for us to get out of here because apparently I talk to too many people, according to my kids. And, and we finally got to lunch and the McGinley Five, we are ordering, and this place had all of these specific things that you could order and put on a sandwich and all that sorts of stuff, which, which was great. And, and my kids are pretty particular. One likes ketchup, the other one likes mustard, neither of them like both, you know, it's just one of those things. And we get through this long ordering process, and one wanted tater tots instead of french fries. And as we are waiting for our order to come, it comes at a pretty fast pace, but somebody brings us French fries instead of tater tots. And my wife uh, speaks up. She says, hey, I just want to let you know that this is actually not correct. Uh, we ordered tater tots instead of French fries. And the waitress said, oh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> to which, like, I've learned, if you were here last week, that is not the way to approach my wife, nor anybody, probably, went into this uh, long debate about how they said, well, we train our people to repeat the order back to you, so if you get the wrong order, that's on you, it's not on us. And literally, 99 cents later, I got our tater tots, and we were all squared away. Now... I'm giving you two extreme examples, and, and I'm here to say that I'm not going like, to go through every single restaurant that I've been to in the city of Chicago and tell you that this is the spot that you should go to. No, I think that there's a bigger principle that's at play here. It's one that we see that plays inside of our culture, inside of who we are as human beings. And I believe that it's simply expressed this way, that that the best way to express love is through service. The best way to express love is through service. I can tell you from that example of a place like Johnny's, I felt like they actually cared. And I can tell you from that other place that I could also get the sense that because of the service that they didn't really care. Now, there's something interesting at play here that's working. It's that... At the core of every human being, we have this thing inside of us that is destructive to who we are. Inside of every individual person, we have something inside of us that becomes so destructive. It's this sense of that we only think about ourselves. It's that we are self-centered people. 
that we only reflect on life through the lens that I am only able to see it from. And as a result, we think about us way more than we think about other people. I know this because my middle daughter had a birthday this week and she was given all kinds of silly, worthless toys. And she would never and has been struggling to share those toys with her younger sister. Like, I didn't have to teach her how to be selfish. You know what I'm saying? But I certainly had to teach her how to share. And the point there is that we have this thing inside of us that can be destructive to who we are and that we just think about ourselves. I mean, you maybe were thinking, even in the midst of those two examples of the restaurants, you're like, well, what about the restaurant? (laughs) They lost money in both places. And, and, And essentially, I'm just, that's proving my point. It's essential for us or something inside of who we are is that we just tend to think about ourselves. And I'd be willing to argue that if we continue to just think about ourselves, and we only think about life through my own lens, ultimately we will just be by ourselves. Today, we're continuing on with the Red Letter Challenge, where we are looking at five different principles that we see in the life of Jesus. The red letters, according to some publishers, you know, you've seen this in your Bible before, Jesus' words are like in red. And so we've been focusing for 40 days on the words of Jesus, looking at five different principles. Week one, we talked about being, what it means to be or know that I am loved beyond anything that I do. Last week, we talked about forgiveness, and we used that quote from Dr. King that forgiveness isn't an occasional act, it's a constant attitude. And this week, we're going to talk about this concept of serving. And and in this concept of serving, I want to give you the best advice that I have ever received. In fact, it's the best advice that I could give you in regards to any relationship that you have. In fact, some of you have reached out to me before because you've bought into this deception thinking that Pastor Dave knows some things. And you'd say, hey, let's go grab some coffee and let's talk about life and things like that. I've got this big scenario and situation in my life. In fact, uh, I have people who come and say, like, I have a relationship that I'm kind of struggling with, or um, I have something at my work that's really frustrating. I just need somebody to kind of talk to through this with. Now, I will be the first to admit, and if you've been one of those people before, you've heard me say this, that I'm not a counselor. I'm not trained in counseling. I go to counseling. I got a counselor, and I would glad you point him his way. He is fantastic, all right? But I do know one thing. That in those conversations, I will say this to you. It's a constant piece of advice that has been given to me that is so incredibly transformational in any relationship that you have. And one that will leave you uncomfortable, one that requires patience and listening and will require you to shut up in the process. It'll be one piece of advice that will have you thinking not of yourself first, but of somebody else first. And it may require you to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. 
But the piece of advice that I typically give is simply this. How can I serve this person? In the midst of a relationship struggle, in the midst of where things aren't going as they should, I believe the most important question that we need to begin with is simply this. How can I serve this person? It's interesting because this isn't an original thought or, or, or idea. This is shown by the example of, of Jesus and how he would teach his followers. And one of the more prominent places that, that this happens is in John chapter 13. And I love John 13 because um, there's so much to understand of what's going on in the life of Jesus up until this point. In John 13, we read that Jesus is towards the end of his life. We have now entered into Holy Week, which will end on Sunday with Jesus rising again from the dead, also known as Easter. And so this Holy Week time, Jesus has entered into Jerusalem, the place where he will die and rise again from the dead. And he gathers his disciples for a Passover meal an important Jewish festival and meal that Jesus would practice. Bigger than a Thanksgiving meal, but kind of that same mentality of getting the family together for this meal. And it's important to understand that, that during this time when Jesus gathers this group of people, it's not like he has a, a group of perfect disciples that are like on point with everything. In fact, the 12 people that he gathers for this meal one of those people in that group, one person, a guy named Judas, will ultimately betray him. He'll be the one that would hand him over to the authorities. There would also be another guy named Peter who would deny Jesus publicly later on in the week, three times, saying that I don't know who that guy is, and 10 other disciples who would also disappoint Jesus. And, and I think it's important to note that, that Jesus himself, the, the perfect God-man who walked this earth, was not immune to broken relationships. He understood brokenness in this world and that people will betray you, they will disappoint you, and they will make life tougher for you. But in John 13, we read that this, it says, that now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is such a beautiful, subtle statement that John slips in here. He says simply that he loved them, being Jesus, Love them to the end. He's at the end of his life. And he's going to teach them something incredibly important about relationships and about how to love in this world. And, and I get the sense that, that this is exactly what we want in our relationships. We want to love people to the end. I know this because I know this for me, personally. Relationships are the reason that I lose sleep at night. It's the reason 
that, that I constantly think about this big question of advice. And it's the reason why, why it stings so much when people disappoint us. And they don't follow through on what, they're, what they said that they would do. And so in this last week of Jesus' life, he does something that's absolutely radical. Contrary, contrary to the world. Something radical that will require action of him. And it will be radical in how this is received. As the meal was happening, Jesus all of a sudden gets up from the table. He's sitting at the prominent place of the table. He stands up from this Passover meal and, and he grabs this like basin of water that would have been in the middle of the table and then he grabs an empty basin or jar and, and he begins to take off his outer layer. <laughs> Essentially, he's signifying that he is becoming a servant. And that's a whole other sermon. But, but what he does then is he pours the water into a basin. And in that process of doing so, the guy who was at the leader's leader spot in the table then gets down on his knees and goes to the feet of every disciple that is there. And he begins to wash their feet. When I, uh, I was thinking about this, like, what, what would it be like if we showed up to church and I said, all right, now I need everybody to take off your shoes and come on forward and let's just wash some feet. I think our reaction would be like, Pastor Dave, I've got the ugliest feet in the world. You don't want to touch my feet. Like, like this becomes strange for us, right? This doesn't happen inside of our culture. It, it, it would be weird. But it wasn't strange for Jesus' time. See, because in Jesus' time, when you would show up to a meal at somebody's house, when you would walk in, that would be one of the first things that would happen is that your feet were washed. And they would never be washed by, by the, the high official, the highest person of status in the room. And it was always a, a time for the servant to come and wash your feet. It made sense because they needed their feet washed. They wore these like sandals. This is actually a picture of some of the sandals that would have been worn during that time. And it would be a moment to come and cleanse the feet of the person who's eating at the table. Now, it's also important to note what's happening here and what Jesus is doing is absolutely radical because feet were like not seen as a beautiful thing in Middle Eastern culture and still aren't today. In fact, um, if you've ever been to the Middle East, maybe you've seen this on the news or maybe seen it in person where people in political protests will take off their shoes and will slam their shoes against statues and against people. In fact, uh, this was many years ago, but President uh, George Bush, when he went to Iraq, does anybody remember this story? And, and there was an Iraqi reporter 
who came after all of the bombing and things that had happened over there, he took off his shoes and he threw them at the president. He wasn't like trying to just like mess up his day. It was a bigger statement. It's that I think that you are the worst of this world. Jesus, in John 13, is teaching a lesson to his disciples. And it's radical against the culture of that time. It's radical for us to understand the reason he's doing it is because, remember, he wants to love them to the end. So he decides to wash their feet. And he continues to ask this question, how can I serve this person? For whatever reason, the disciples' feet, Jesus noticed, weren't washed. And so the king, the greatest in the room, becomes the least and washes their feet. I remember uh, somebody saying this to me. I thought it was a profound statement. They said, if you want to see who the leader is, then you look to see who's serving. The teaching of Jesus is radical to the ways of this world. The teaching of Jesus is something that influences the relationships that we have. And it looks at someone and says, in the midst of this issue and problem, how can I serve them? Jesus would continue on here in John 13. It would say this, that when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. Later on, Jesus would continue on to say there that this wasn't something that I just do for you, but this is something that you are called to do for others. That as I washed your feet, you too should go and wash others. Let's remember the feet that he washed. He washed the feet of a guy named Judas, the one who betrayed him. He washed the feet of a guy named Peter, the one who denied him three times. And he washed the feet of the one the 10 who disappointed him. And he did so because this is what love requires us to do, to love someone until the end. Paul would say it differently in, in Galatians 5, or rather say the same thing, just maybe in a different way. He'd say this, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This message doesn't make any sense if you're saying that, oh, I gotta like, do this to earn somebody's love. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying out of the freedom and the love that you have received, you're called to give that to others as well. To love and serve them, not out of obligation, but out of the freedom that you have been given. 
And I also recognize that this is like really like easy to get twisted and mixed up. It's complex and tough. I, I realize that the world understands that if I serve someone well, that that will in return come back to me at some point in time. The Johnny's guy was probably like, well, man, just got us another customer for forever and didn't know he was a pastor. He was going to tell a bunch of people about it, <laughs> right? I, I get that we get this twisted, and, and I would be a complete hypocrite to tell you that I've gotten this figured out perfectly. Uh, in fact, one example to show that I didn't was uh, about like five years ago, I bought my wife a Fitbit. I was about to go on this long trip and journey, and I wanted it to be like something kind of special. But in the process of going to Best Buy and finding this Fitbit, I found one that looked really cool and would fit really good on my watch or my wrist. And uh, I decided to say, hey, let's, uh, let's get like two of these really nice, like bigger Fitbits. But um, the reality was that Best Buy only had one. So I bought two, I came home, and I gave my wife the Fitbit on the left, and then just kind of said, oh, by the way, they had a sale, kind of, <laughs> and I got one too, yeah. If, if we take this attitude of service thinking that the only reason that I'm going to serve you is to receive something in return. You're just as dumb with me with Fitbits. This wasn't the reason that Jesus himself came to serve. In fact, to love someone to the end requires true humility for the server. With the server not thinking of themselves first, comes with an inconvenience and something that ultimately you might not want to do. But Jesus himself would ask this question many years ago to teach his disciples in the last week of his life something so incredibly important. You want to understand how to love to the end and love those around you, you will learn how to serve. Asking that question, how can I serve this person? This week, uh, in our Red Letter Challenge, you will be challenged to serve. And it will not be literally washing people's feet. I promise you that. But it will require you to take Jesus' words seriously. And I can promise you, as somebody who is living out this principle in the relationships that I have with my wife, with my kids, with y'all, is that it's important for us to be asking that question over and over again of how can I serve this person? I know that I've seen it repair some damage. It's not perfect, but it requires some inconvenience and leads us into places that bring us deeper into the relationship, deeper into the relationships that we have. Because maybe for you, it was the fact that when you showed up to church here, it was just the struggle with your spouse to get here. My challenge is not to come 
back and say, all right, how am I going to get back at this person? Maybe it's to ask that question, how can I serve this person today? Or, or, or maybe for you, it's a coworker who months ago said something that was just awful and not true. And instead of you spending countless hours trying to get back at that person, maybe it's asking the question, how can I serve this person today? Or maybe it's just a neighbor who just annoys you like crazy. Just the sound of their voice or the fact that they don't rake their leaves, whatever it is, maybe it's asking that question, how can I serve this person? One last thing. I, I, and I just want to geek out here because this is like a beautiful what, what John does. John, the author here in this gospel, he, um, he has these pivotal moments in his gospel where he, where he points out um, really big things. Bless you. That was beautiful. And, and he, uh, he does this three times in his gospel. He uses this statement, this phrase of that the Passover is happening. There's three places in John's gospel where we see the Passover event happens. And if you were paying attention, this was happening during the time of Jesus, during the story that we read in John 13. What John is screaming at you right now is to pay attention. I'm telling you something that is incredibly important about the heart of who God is. This being one of them. And in John 13, when Jesus gathers his disciples at the Passover, he is teaching not only how to love your neighbor, but he is teaching you about the heart of who he is. Because I assume that maybe you already know that Jesus did something way more than wash the feet of 12 unworthy people. Later on that week, he would give the ultimate act of sacrifice, of service, for you and for me. Going to the cross, dying and rising again from the dead. That's who our God is. And that's how he loves us to the end. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are one who acts in radical ways that leads us into places of where we are asking that question, how can I serve? Lord, um, it is challenging and it leads us into uncomfortable places, maybe even backwards to the way of this world. I pray, God, that we would see you as we serve. I pray that we would, would learn more about the heart of who you are based on how we treat those around us. Help us to be so bold and brave to love others to the end. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.